keep saying to people that people score goals, it's, it's, a, it's a knack that you have. It's not a coincidence that he scored goals. You know, he training on Friday, he probably scored more than anybody else. It's just the way he is. He comes alive in the box, got great movement, and invariably, if you give him a chance, he scores. Spoke to a lot of people, I think he's a goal scorer that will always score goals, even in the MLS. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to the Mainland Podcast, episode number 96. And uh, you just heard a little bit of a clip about a particular player uh, named Dom Dwyer that was uh, captured back in his USL days when Adrian Heath was talking about him. I hope you enjoyed those comments. I hope you enjoyed the fact that uh, Dom Dwyer is coming back to Orlando. I'm certainly enjoying it. I'm Michael Citro, the managing editor and founder of TheMainland.com. Joining me, as always, David Rowe. Dave, how are you? I'm having a uh, I'm having a Dom day um, uh, during this Dom time, and uh, I'm looking forward to a, a, a Dom week. Neither of us cost any allocation money. Uh, I just want to put that up front. Uh, <laughs> we are free of charge, uh, but yeah. uh, but Dom, which is good. But Dom costs a whole whole lot of allocation money. Uh, Orlando City, of course, uh, as we record this, it's tonight, uh, but it would be uh, the previous day if you're getting this, uh, you know, directly pulled into your your iPhone or your device or whatever your your podcast catching mechanism. Uh, it would have happened last night. Uh, Orlando City acquiring. Former USL Lion Dom, Dry, uh, Dom Dwyer from Sporting Kansas City for 1.6 million potentially in allocation money. It's uh, 900,000 to start with, with incentives that could make it 700,000 more. And apparently those incentives are are not uh, really difficult uh, marks to make. So probably like games played and stuff like that. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, with Dom coming back to Orlando City, certainly a lot of excitement. Uh, Dave, this particular signing, uh, you know, it, it sort of cropped up over the weekend that there were rumors. Taylor Twelman put it out. We had heard this rumor, so and had kind of almost behind the scenes, a couple of us uh, had heard about it, but didn't have anything really concrete to go on or anybody that wanted us to go on the record with it or really even a, a, a really solid enough source to even put anything out there. Taylor Twelman came out with it and it's like, oh, maybe there is something to this. And then all of a sudden, boom, a couple days later, it's done. It's done and Dom Dwyer is uh, coming home to Orlando City. You know, it it was like a uh, it was like a snowball uh, rolling down a hill. It starts out small, starts out slowly, and then as it went, it got bigger and it gained momentum. And all of a sudden, boom! It hit the bottom. Um, it, it was because we can you and I can look back through our, our internal you know chat sessions and and just kind of see ah well you know it's rumor blah blah blah. And then all of a sudden, it was just like boom boom boom. Uh, it all starts hitting and. Uh, you know, there was, I, we were, I'm sure we were both out on Twitter. There was, um, uh, hashtag Dom, Dom watch 2017 and, <laughs> and then hashtag Dom's back. And, you know, I, so, um, the, the Twitterverse for those of us who follow a lot of Orlando city stuff was absolutely ablaze today, um, with everything that was going on. And, um, the, the thing that I kept thinking, cause we've been last couple podcasts, we've been talking about how, you know, we're getting, we're getting uh, uh, supporters and fans who are like, why aren't they doing anything? How come they're not doing anything? It's the, the, the transfer windows open. What are they doing? They're not doing it. And, and 
this is what they were doing. Mm-hmm. The entire this has been going on for a month, evidently. Um, the hurdles and the everything else to to get this done. This is it. This is the culmination, and uh, I think this is one signing that all Orlando City fans are behind. I mean, I'm not saying that there's not some who have questions this or that, but I think that everybody is is this is the kind of signing that they're like yes because. He's a MLS all-star. Uh, he just came back from, you know, got sent down from a successful Gold Cup uh, appearance. Um, as a matter of fact, with his three uh, U.S. men's national team um, appearances, he had uh, two goals in three games. Um, it could have had more as well. I mean, he, he missed that one PK. So, you know, this is a this is a very exciting um, this is a very exciting deal for all of us who support the Purple. Absolutely. I mean, I couldn't be more thrilled. I mean, one of the things, you know, we, we talked about the transfer window needs and we said a striker and an attacking midfielder. Well, you go out and you get one of the highest scoring strikers in Major League Soccer over the last few years. Uh, you can hardly do much better than that. He knows the city. He knows the league. He doesn't require really much settling in time, just needs to build some chemistry with his teammates. Uh, that's really almost a best case scenario. Now he's, he's been in a little bit of a slump with his club, but he did score, as you mentioned, two out of three games he played with the U S and that was in the last few weeks. So, um, you know, he's, he's coming in sort of in better form. Uh, it'll be interesting. You know, he's going to be excited. He's going to want to make a mark Mm -hmm. right away for, for his fans in Orlando. Uh, Dom never forgot, you know, the reception that he's gotten here. In fact, as you and I talk about this, he's going to be landing shortly uh, yeah. at, at uh, 15 minutes, uh, yeah. Orlando International Airport. So, um, you know, it's it, it's going to be a, a, a just a madhouse at the airport for his uh, his reception. Um, you know, none, nothing about this uh, is bad from an Orlando perspective. I, I've seen a lot of neutrals, you know, say that it's a terrible deal for Orlando spending all this money. Uh, I would point to a 442 article recently that said that cash deals uh, for allocation money between MLS sides rarely work out for the team that sells. Uh, there have been a few, you know, instances where that's uh, that's you know proven to be exceptions. But you know, we saw it with Molino. It took us a long time to use money yep. uh, from the Molino deal, and this team was noticeably weaker offensively without Kevin Molino. So. Uh, this hopefully will go a little ways toward uh, fixing that, or at least a, hopefully a long ways toward fixing that. I still think an, another creative midfielder might need to be brought in. But I think also, if need be, you just slide uh, Carlos Rivas back to the midfield, take out one of the defensive midfielders, and I think you've got a much more potent uh, midfield to go along with the with the strike force that should be as good as any in the league. So a, a real coup for, for Nicky Budalic and the front office uh, at Orlando City to bring this to bring this in. I I mean, you go all the way back to 2015. You remember Orlando City has been pursuing Dom since the very beginning of the MLS uh, days. And, um, you know, of course, uh, famously, Adrian Heath was fined for tampering for talking about uh, Dom on the on the the coaches show and saying that, you know, Dom wants to be here. This is his spiritual home, which is, I think, a weird thing for anybody to have ever said, um, because, you know, Dom only spent a short time here. So just hearing it was his spiritual home was a kind of an odd thing to me to say, but he, you know, he did say that the team would continue to try to pursue Dom. And of course that never went away. Uh, the fan base, I'm sure has every time, 
um, every time Flavio or any time Alex Leitao or any any of the brass for Orlando City have, have appeared in public, I'm sure Orlando City fans have said, hey, uh, you know, we're going to be able to get Dom back here. And, <laughs> you know, they probably got sick of hearing it. But, uh, you know, it was always a thing where it was always, you know, you always knew that anything's possible in life. But it just seemed like after 2015 that things kind of had soured and it was never going to happen. And then Adrian Heath leaves, you know, is fired. And, and then you think, well, you know, these are not the old Lions. We've turned the page. Um, but, you know, I, I am pretty proud because just about two years ago to the day, it was four days off, actually. Uh, I threw out a tweet from the mainland account that said, uh, you know, former and future Orlando City Lion Dom Dwyer has just scored for Sporting Kansas City. So now I'm a prophet. So I'm pretty happy about that. Well, I, I saw that earlier and, <laughs> and I was going to mention that. But instead, what I'm going to mention is how uh, how great is it that – okay, so uh, Heath uh, goes to Minnesota, brings Molino up there. We get a ton of money. And it's that money that gets Dom back. Yep. So Adrian Heath always said he would bring uh, he would bring him back. He would, said he would bring him, and he did. And he did. It <laughs> didn't do it the way that anybody thought. I mean, he had to go to Minnesota and then take Kevin with him and give us a bunch of money. But that money is is a large portion of what got you know Don back to Orlando City. And so, um, it's I can't I, I would think that for the listeners they were probably following on you know at work. I mean, I saw I can't tell you how many you know, tweets I saw of, you know, people being like, you know, I'm getting in trouble at work because I keep hitting, you know, uh, refresh on my Twitter <laughs> so that I can see what's going on. Yeah. Um, you know, and then internally for us, I mean, you know, we're, we're waiting. I mean, everybody's a buzz. So this is, we, you and I have, have said before that the, uh, that Christ seems to not do flashy signings. You know, we get, you know, Spectre and nobody knew who he was and okay, he turned out good and Sutter and Johnson and, and these, we're not arguing that these were all good players and that they haven't improved Orlando's uh, uh, squad, especially on the defense. But this, even though we're, we're not talking about a European guy or anything like that, although technically he is from Europe, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's still, this feels splashy. I mean, we're talking about a lot of money on a guy who has recently been making noise. And I want to go back to um, his goal scoring. Okay, he was in a little bit of a slump for um, uh, for sporting, but he had, he had scored five goals so far this season. Um, and the past couple seasons, uh, he had scored 12, at least 12 goals in each of those seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it, he, was, he was scoring at a, a little over a, a half a goal per game in his time there, which is, that's awesome. Um, and then... You know, you pointed to his time with the U.S. men's national team recently where, you know, two out of three games he gets a goal. Well, that's a little bit more than half per game. So um, I, I think you're right. I think he comes in here. I think that he he's going to be welcomed with uh, ticker tape if we still had ticker tapes. <laughs> um, you know, there's the, the the crowd at the at the airport tonight in, what, eight minutes is going to be phenomenal. And um whether he starts or comes off the bench uh, for the next game, I don't think it matters. It, it, whatever fans travel to Atlanta, he is going to get a raucous uh, amount of appreciation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm anxious to see um, what it looks like with with him and Laren up up top because if um, you know we've we've 
like you said, we've we've lacked the attacking midfielder. If we're able to drop Rivas back and have him um, help feed the ball in, and you know, occasionally send one over the goalpost as he's wont to do. Mm-hmm. But uh, if if you've got both Dom and Laren up front, one we know that Dom can create his own chances and also create chances for others. Throw into that the fact that if they're both up there and if if one of them, you know, hits a shot and it bounces out out the other one is going to be there to tap it in i mean i think it's going to help uh laren get back on the you know the scoring side just because he'll have a little bit of assistance up there and i think he's going to get some just from you know like i said you know dom shooting one in it gets saved and then and laren cleans it up i think it's going to help uh both now it may take a little time for that to to develop and and truly become you know something that's uh, wildly effective, but uh, the potential, I mean, you know, we talked about with the, the pride with Alex and Marta, um, you know, same kind of thing. The potential is really there and it's, it's, uh, it's very enticing to think about. Yeah. I, I can't wait to see um, how these two strikers create room for the other. Uh, I think that it's, it's certainly going to be uh, helpful. I think Dom is definitely not a guy who's afraid to get into the box deeply uh, Jason Christ mentioned after the last game, there's just not enough players. There are players that want to get to the box, but they're not enough. Right. They're not enough players right now that want to get into the box and, and give, uh, you know, give whoever has the ball the options that they need to be successful. And I think that, you know, putting Dom in that spot, he's Dom is much more likely to run into the six than Carlos Rivas is. Carlos likes to kind of hang around the edge of that penalty area. Doesn't really like to go in it very deeply. You know, you don't see, you don't see a lot of Carlos in the six-yard box unless he's he's taking a pass uh, from you know from out on the wing and making a run. But uh, you know I right. don't normally see him take the ball into that area. But I think you'll definitely see Dom take the ball into that area. And uh, I can't wait till uh, I can't wait. Uh, it's going to be goosebump inducing when he is announced at Orlando City Stadium as a start. You know when they when they announce the starting lineups. I think that's going to be just you're just going to get chills when that happens. I think. So I just got goosebumps right now when you were saying it. <laughs> so it'll be really cool to see uh, what happens from this point on. The cool thing about the Dwyer deal is no players were sent. So no uh, assets, no young players that might develop into something are going to leave the team uh, as part of this deal. Orlando City sent $400,000 in general allocation money and $500,000 in targeted allocation money for a total of $900,000 if you're uh, bad at math. Uh, to Sporting Kansas City. In addition, there's up to $700,000 in future allocation money owed uh, based on uh, on Dwyer's performance uh, and, you know, different incentives. Uh, one of those uh, reportedly is suiting up uh, for one game. So, you know, who, who knows how much that portion is? Maybe that's 50 cents. Who knows? Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it's it's uh, it's one of those things where people say, well, it's too much money. I say if it works, it's fine. If it doesn't work, then it wasn't worth the money. I think every deal in every sport is like that. It's uh, like so-and-so yeah. do- doesn't work, then they're not worth the money. If they work, then they're fine because it's not your money, you know? Right. <laughs> well, and that, that's kind of a duh statement. I mean – It is. It is. Any, You know, it's – it's any, and this goes – forget sports. This goes in any business venture whatsoever. I mean you have to take risks. This – of course it's a risk, but it's a it's a what they call a known risk. Okay, he's played with us before. Um, he's produced 
uh, where when he's been, uh, you know, at sporting and he's now produced for the U S men's national team. It's a known risk. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think it's, it's not, you know, we're not talking about a, a Michael goes to Las Vegas and gambles risk. We're talking a, uh, you know, this is a, this is a pretty good, this is a pretty good bet. And, um, you know, I, 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 I feel pretty good about it. The, uh, um, the other thing that people have brought up is, okay, well, you know, his contracts only, uh, with the extension only through 2018, what happens after that? I've got to believe, I, I, I don't know for certain. I've got to believe that, uh, Orlando city has a plan for, uh, Dom going forward after that, mm-hmm. uh, given the amount of money that's spent. Um, so, you know, obviously details will be forthcoming on that as the days go by, but, um, overall, this this looks to me to be a, a a really good deal for Orlando City. Yeah, Nikki Bradalich is already going to planning to sit down with Dom and discuss beyond 2018 with him in the next few days. That's going to take place. We've already heard uh, from Goal.com from Ivis. He says that uh, a sizable offer will be made. I anticipate money will be not a problem because uh, it's. We have heard not one peep about any kind of contract discussions uh, with the expiring contract of Kaká coming just in a few months. So and that's uh, a lot of money. Yeah. So there's there's there should be plenty of money there. People say, well, what about Kyle Aaron? What does this mean for Kyle Aaron? Uh, the club has two option years left on Kyle's initial contract. <laughs> uh, that's not a problem. I think they will. I never expected him to leave before the end of this season. I definitely nope. expect that the club will want to build his value back up after the, the slump and the DUI. Uh, I think they'll, yep. they'll want to get that value back up before they sell. And if they have to sell down the road, well, it's pretty good that they just uh, signed a 26 year old striker who's proven in the league. So, um, you know, they're kind of covered uh, if he leaves and then they can, you know, re- worry about replacing him later. Uh, but I definitely don't see him leaving in this window and uh, unless, you know, some team dangled an unbelievable amount of money because the team will get more money uh, for selling him at the end of this year than it would now um, as, you know, just part of the generation Adidas deal with MLS. So, um, yeah, or in something really weird, Kyle's going to be around. Yeah, he should be around this year. And, and I might even think now after the DUI and everything that next year might be a lock. And uh, depending on how he how how's next season is going. Uh, it could be a, a situation of summer window or or the full season mm-hmm. next year. So I think Kyle's uh, set for now. But, of course, never say never because it's always fluid and everything. Anything can happen. I mean, a week ago we didn't see this happening. And here, yep. here it is. And uh, here we are, yeah. And uh, it's uh, it's really nice to see because I'm so tired of hearing the team sitting on its thumbs. They're doing nothing because – the bottom line is I had this argument on Twitter the other day with one of my Twitter followers that, you know, why isn't why aren't they saying anything? It's it's reasonable to be skeptical that they're doing anything. Why is it reasonable? They've signed players in every window since the team's been in existence. Two summers ago, it was Mateos and Winter. One of those worked out. One of them didn't. Um, you know, last year they brought in MPG, who did well last year, but didn't quite really carry that over consistently this year. But they always – and they went and got Luis Aha last year. They got some depth in uh, uh, at the time with Ambrose and Rocha, which they still have, a, have Rocha. So they, it's not that they don't go out and get players. They do. We had not seen them go out and get splashy players. I think Spectre was maybe the splashiest signing they've made in the last couple of years, or basically since Kaká. Uh, is probably Spectre is the most flashy signing they've made since then. And um, 
you know, they, they brought in some, some winners, you know, Spectre worked out, Sutter worked out. It's this team doesn't have a bad track record of, of adding pieces. It's uh, I think it's easy to get bogged down in the last two months and not realize that the performances by and large this year have been better performances, even though the goals haven't been there. Well, and, th- and that's what they're addressing with this one. Real quick, I, I know that you meant Jose Aha, not Luis Aha. Yes, yes, Jose Aha. I'm sorry. I think I was... I was uh, thinking I was, of Luis Gill, yeah. Well, no, not, I wasn't thinking of Luis Gill. I was actually... He was still in my mind because I had... I had uh, I was talking about... Or I was thinking about all of the signings, and he was in my mind, but I was like, well, no, he wasn't a summer. And then he was still there when I got to Jose Aha. So, uh. Okay, okay. It's, <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a book to a movie. You can't just start combining players into, into one people. So um, uh, There's a lot of people that would like to combine Jose Aha and Luis Gill into one, Luis Gil, one yeah, player okay, fair and, then, and then trade him. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jose, Jose gets a lot more hate than he probably should. And, and well, so does Gill. Oh, absolutely. So does Gill, because uh, Gill has uh, not performed badly after his first few games i think he's been fine he's just not been you know anything to write home about i mean i we got this last week and we how many people that i hear complain that chris nigita got taken off in the 90th the 90th minute dave for Luis gill well chris nigita has three career mls shots on goal three one each year uh Luis gill has been with the team of basically a few weeks well a couple of months and he has uh, seven shots on goal in that time out of his 10 shots. 70% of his shots are on target. So that's why you would take off a Higita when you're behind a goal late in a game and put on Luis Gill. But yeah. anyway, I've digressed a little bit. Let's talk a little <laughs> bit about um, are you bothered at all about the amount of money? Does it, does it bother you? No. All right. So and here's why um, uh, that money needed to be spent. You can't sit. You're not. You're not. MLS does not let you sit on that money forever. Um, and it was, it was just sitting there. I mean, we, we, we had it, we had lost Molina, like you said, we hadn't gotten anything, uh, in return for that as far as offensive production. Why, why not go after somebody like Dom who is a goal scorer that we, you and I identified two, uh, key things that we wanted, which was a scorer and a attacking midfielder. Well, we got half of that. So spend the money. Yeah. We've got the money. Spend the money. All right. So here's the next thing. Uh, does this, Dave Rowe, does this affect the Orlando Pride? Will we see Sydney LaRue, Dom Dwyer's lovely wife and a, a member of the U.S. women's national team who has a lot of good friends on the Pride? Do we see Sydney LaRue make the uh, a push to get traded to the Orlando pride from FC Kansas city. Yes. Yes, we do. We absolutely do. Um, cause why wouldn't we want her? I mean, it's sitting in the room. She's an excellent goal scorer. There's no reason to not do that. If, and, and there's no reason to believe that her and Dom didn't talk about that when all of these talks were going on, you know, there's now granted, you know, with the money that they're getting and all, they could live in different cities and make it work and all that. But we've got the perfect example already in Orlando with Alex and Servando. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, do I think that now whether it'll happen or not, that 
I can't say. Mm-hmm. Is will there be talks? Will there be you know propositions made? Will there you know deals be presented? Of course there will be. Of course, uh, and it you know it can only help uh, Orlando City. I mean, uh, don't get me wrong. I mean, we have some very young, uh, good uh, forwards that um, are developing, but. You can't say that you wouldn't want to have Sidney LaRue on there. I mean, it's that's that's a no-brainer. I, I'm telling you, if you would ask me, would let's look at Orlando Pride's starting uh, top three last week. Alex Morgan in the middle. Okay. Yep. Uh, Jasmine Spencer and Chi Ubogagu. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you take Sidney LaRue over at least two of those three? <laughs> Uh, two of the three, yes. And I think uh, if, if the fans can't figure out which is one of the ones I want to stay, then they obviously haven't listened to us. <laughs> All right. And this is – and wait, let me back up because we've talked to the Chief. This is nothing against Jasmine or Chief. Right. Uh, because, I mean, uh, quality players – Or Alex. Players, or Alex. <laughs> quality players, um, you know, like I said, we've, we've actually talked to Chief. And I would, you know – I mean, ideally, I'd like to keep them and, you know, have, you know, depth and all that, which I understand probably wouldn't happen. But um, but at the same time, it's, uh, you know, it's Sidney LaRue. I mean, we're talking about a, a, a proven striker at a high level, at an international level. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's that's just how it it's it's a professional sport. And we've talked about before where um, these decisions are often made with the mind and the wallet, not with the heart. Yeah, I would have to say if this is going to happen, first of all, um, Sidney LaRue does not fit a, a need that the Pride has right now. The Pride can always no. – you can always use more attacking uh, talent, always. But it's not a pressing need that the Pride has right now. So, so if the Pride are going to bring in Sidney LaRue, they're going to have to part with somebody because it's not like MLS. You don't have allocation money to send out there and that kind of thing. Um, right. You could sit, You could have a cash deal, but it's not – that's not typical. Um, Tom Sermani's already traded basically every draft pick for the next five years. So uh, <laughs> you're not going to be able to send those out. Uh, that leaves an international slot, which we currently have an extra one of. Uh, but I don't believe that Tom would want to get rid of that because that's just too valuable an asset in this league. Uh, mm-hmm. So you're probably going to see somebody go and it's or a combination of somebody's go if this uh, ends up having to be a trade deal. And, you know, I hate to say this because I don't want this to happen, but the, the probably the promising young player that that FC Kansas City would want would might be a Danny Weatherholt, who I think has been playing pretty well. Mm. And so that would be a really tough, tough thing to lose a player in an area of need who's young uh, to get a player who's who's kind of a luxury uh, just right. to do just to do Dom a solid. But, uh, you know, it, these things sort of have a way of working themselves out. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that how that uh, takes place uh, over the next. Uh, I don't know that Sydney would be traded this year. It might not be till the off season. So we'll, we'll see what happens in the off season to uh, either, you know, it might be a case where Alex goes back to Lyon, in which case it would be an area of need. Uh, right. You know, it's hard to say what will happen, but it, it'll be um, it'll be something fun to watch, and uh, certainly it would be nice to have. Sydney without losing any of the major pieces uh, on the pride because, um, you know, it would be. Can you imagine if the top three uh, in the attacking in a 4 3 3 were Marta, Morgan, and LaRue? 
<laughs> that, would that even be fair? We've, we we we've been we've been gloating about uh, Alex and Marta, let alone adding Sydney into that. I mean, that's just that's no, that would not be fair. That's that's ridiculous. All right. Well, we've been talking quite a bit about Dom, and of course, that's uh, to be expected. But we do have other other topics we need to get to, Dave. And uh, first of all, let's talk about Orlando City and Atlanta United, the first ever meeting between the two teams. The things that we wanted to see. Uh, coming into this game were, you know, a better defensive effort. We wanted to see scoring chances. We wanted to limit Atlanta's scoring chances. I think we saw all of that. Uh, what we didn't want to see is Brad Guzan uh, steal a couple goals from from uh, Jonathan Spector. And we did definitely didn't want to see, you know, a 25-yard strike, uh, which is a goal of the week candidate, uh, to beat the, the Lions in the in the 86th minute. I mean, um, we wanted to see Carlos Rivas get in behind the defense. He did that once, but he didn't didn't he didn't get a good shot off. His shot was right at Guzan. He tried one later from about the same distance and maybe around the same spot that Vialba scored the the game winner uh, from. But he threw you know he did his usual field goal uh, deep into the Orlando night and uh, didn't uh, get anything to show for that. And then, you know, it was, I, I thought for my money, Orlando city was the better side through 90 minutes, but had nothing to show for it. Uh, just not enough sharpness in the attacking third. Um, the thing about the two weeks off, the team looked like it had a lot of jump, a lot of energy, uh, very high motor. I thought Kaká played fantastic, and in, in, in for the most part, I think he could have passed a little better. But I think he he took guys on, and he did get into dangerous spots. Had four key passes, so he created scoring yep. chances. So that's nine scoring chances created in two games. If you're if you're uh, tracking, and of course, you know Orlando has two losses in those games, unfortunately, because <laughs> nobody's finishing them is the problem. Uh, and uh, he's. I thought he, he played really well. I thought a lot of the guys played well. They definitely weren't connecting on passes uh, as sharply as they normally do. I think again, that's the the two weeks without a game. You can. Mm-hmm. It, it's this rare combination of rust and energy. So they're more yep. energetic. They showed a lot more drive, a lot more fight, a lot more legs late in the game. But they definitely didn't connect on on as many uh, passes as you'd expect, as many scoring chances as you'd uh, expect. Uh, some good chances for sure. And uh, just not uh, getting any luck and nothing past Brad Guzan. And then basically one of the very few times that anybody didn't step to a guy with the ball, uh, it ends up in the net in the 86th minute and Atlanta gets to leave with all three points. Yeah, th- you're absolutely right. There was uh, everything that we hoped for other than that one shot in the 86th minute, everything that we hoped for happened. Um Except for, Other than, except for the goal, except for the goal, goal. except yeah. for the goal, except for scoring goals. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, the the defense was solid for a, a, 85 minutes. Um, the you know, Kaká came back and played extremely well. Mate, you know, he he did what he does, which is take one or two guys on one on one and and make them may not look silly, but certainly get around them and create chances. Um, we fell back on the, the one thing that's, that's been hurting us, you know, for the last month and a half, two months is those, uh, the scoring opportunities and, and taking advantage of the scoring opportunities. Mm-hmm. Now, chalk a lot of that up to Guzan having a great game. I mean, 
you know, uh, we were both disappointed when he got sent down because we knew what it might mean for us. And it turned out that that was true. Um, you know, poor Jonathan had, you know, one excellent chance that should have been goal one. All right. Maybe not so much, but still, uh, you would expect him to get one out of those two. Um, but it's, yeah, there's, uh, they, they did, almost everything they could do to win that game and probably should have won that game given the chances, but it just, uh, it wasn't meant to be. And I, I get what you're saying for the whole energy rust thing. Um, everybody, including Kika had, you know, a, a bigger engine that night. And what my hope is, is that, uh, going forward, they're not too tired after that night because we've got to play Atlanta again. But, um, the other thing is, uh, Hector's shot that won the game, uh, it was a hell of a shot. I mean, it, it, there was, I don't think anybody's getting that one. You know, uh, that's, that's no knock on Joe because it was just one of those, one of those goals that that's going to go in. Oh no, it was a screamer and it was definitely worthy of being nominated for goal of the week. And, and of course, Guzan is nominated for save of the week for getting down and getting, getting, uh, Spectre's header off the line. Um, yep. you know, and I, I think to maybe a, a Kyle Laren gets, gets his head on that, maybe flicks it further toward the corner and maybe it goes in. Um, but you know, it's, you tip your cap to him. I think that Orlando city was the better team, uh, but they certainly didn't get the moment of magic that they needed and, and Atlanta did. Right. So that was the, the main difference for me. I definitely think that a couple of guys could have played better. Uh, I didn't think it was a great game from No Torino. I thought he was okay, but not great. I thought Will Johnson had actually quite a poor game. Um, but everybody Which else is odd was, for Will. Yeah, it, it's a it's a rarity. It's not it's not normal for for Will to to you know have a game like he had. And of course he he owned up to it with you know for for trying to be a little too perfect at that late uh, attempt that he had when he got into the box all alone. Uh, yep. He knew he didn't have the speed to take it any closer, and he wanted to get something. And he said, you know, I just shot it for the near top corner, and I had, had the keeper beat, but, uh, you know, didn't get it on frame. And, and so he didn't make it. But it, I, I thought he also had a few lapses. I think he was a little bit culpable on the goal. He really wasn't guarding anybody on the throw-in. Um, and, of course, you know, everybody sees Jose Aja not step up, but nobody sees that the midfielders kind of let a dangerous player you know, go Get behind and, him, yeah. And, and Jose is not the quickest guy. So if he steps up and the guy goes around him, what's he do? You know, I mean, he's kind of damned if he doesn't, damned if he doesn't. Uh, <laughs> he could step up and hope that he gets help. Uh, I guess that's probably the, the the right move in that situation. But um, you know, well, and, it's a split second news, to really to really come up with a solution there. And, and the good news is, I mean, that's like you said, that's a rarity for Johnson. So I mean, I don't think you know that, that's a, that's a not one time thing, but it's, 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 it's rare. So I, I think we can expect better from them on the next game. All right. So who was your man of the match for Orlando city? Well, it has to be specter uh, just because of the, the chances that he had on goal. And uh, I, I believe he, I believe he led in clearances. Um, he had overall a very solid performance. Um, you know, he was just unlucky that Guzan also was probably man of the match for, for those guys. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's going to have to be Jonathan. Yeah, Spectre's a very good good choice. Uh, I thought about him quite a bit. I thought uh, Christian Nikita, I thought, returned to form defensively. He was a real uh, 
stopper in the field. Uh, I thought that he did a good job of breaking up play. He didn't do a very good job moving forward. It's just not his game. The guy just doesn't have an offensive bone in his body. And, uh, you know, he, he had a couple of crosses that were just not even close. And, right. you know, in situations where he had the ball in a pretty good amount of space, might have been able to get closer and just really ripped one on goal. I mean, you have to remember, he has two goals in MLS, even though he only has three shots in MLS on goal. Uh, he had one shot on goal last year. It was a goal. He had one shot on goal the year before last, and that was a goal also. So uh, I think that he maybe doesn't take enough chances or at least get them on frame enough. Right. But uh, uh, also Kaká played very well. I'm going to go Scott Sutter as my man of the match. I thought Sutter okay. played a, a really good job of, of kind of keeping the danger out of that flank. I thought he did a good job of getting forward and get trying to get some crosses in, holding the okay. ball and allowing guys to come into the play. I, I, for me, I, I thought he played really well. And uh, so uh, I certainly will never argue with somebody that says Specter because he played really well too, but I, I'm going to go, with, I'm going to give it mine to Sutter. So we split our uh, votes this week. Also a good choice though. Yeah. I mean, I can't argue with you either. So, all right, so uh, we'll go up against uh, the same Atlanta team next, or this coming Saturday. So a, a full week's rest. So it'll be, again, there should be plenty of jump in the legs. And uh, we'll just have to see if they can uh, sharpen things up a little bit. And, of course, uh, Dom Dwyer, does he start after just training with the team for a few days? Or does he uh, come off the bench? Or does he even uh, get in the line? in the lineup. I got to suspect that he at least gets in the lineup and uh, we'll see what happens. And maybe uh, if the team needs a goal, he comes off the bench the way Laren did. Actually, that's one thing I didn't mention. Kyle Laren came in on no rest, flew back from Arizona, had played the night before, got in at yep. full, got in at like around four 30 to Orlando and went to the stadium and said, I'm available if you need me coach uh, to Jason Christ. And uh, of course he came in off the bench uh, didn't have much in the way of legs, didn't get much in the way of service. Uh, but I thought for the most part, just anything he could give, he gave. And that, you know, you love seeing a guy fight for his team like that. I mean, he, he guy had been playing in Arizona less than 24 hours earlier, played 55 minutes for Team Canada. And, uh, and then he came came all the way back across country and said, yeah, if you need me, I'm out there. It's kind of like when you, when you see those... Uh, Major League Baseball, those pitchers, starting pitchers that say, I know it's three days rest, but if you need me out of the bullpen, I can give you two innings or whatever. Exactly. And 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 kudos to Kyle for doing that. And, and actually, uh, the the minute that I saw that he was even there, I was like, I, I, I told the person I was watching the game with, I said, oh, he's coming in the second half. And they're like, really? I said, oh, yeah, it's going to happen. Just because I, I knew that, uh, well, I kind of knew that one, we would probably need it. And two, I knew that Kyle would want to. And so there you go. All right, so let's turn our attention toward the Orlando Pride. The Orlando Pride went to Chicago, very difficult place to play. No visiting team has won against the Red Stars in Chicago, or Bridgeview, more accurately, this season. Uh, and uh, Orlando Pride had never beaten the Chicago Red Stars. So you had to go in that, to that game thinking, this is probably going to be pretty tough. Uh, I thought the Pride played pretty well, but they just didn't have that last ball that they were able to be able to put in the net. And then, of course, there again, it just doesn't matter how often we play the Red Stars. Somehow, somebody puts a perfect ball over the top to Kristen Press. She runs onto it. She scores an easy goal. She got two of them on on uh, over the weekend, and uh, both on almost the same exact type of play. Somebody gets the ball in behind. She runs onto it, and it's in the net. And there's nothing Aubrey Bledsoe can do. 
except watch it and pick it out of the net. And that's, uh, you know, what happened. They, the team went out there. They got behind. They had to try to rally. Couldn't do it. Chicago scored again. And even though there were chances and, and even a few really good chances, couldn't quite beat Alyssa Nair. Um, Alex Morgan had a beautiful opportunity for a header. Unfortunately, headed it too close to Nair. Nair was able to make the save. And um, it was, uh, which I think is up for save of the week for, on the NWSL site. Isn't it just like teams that play Orlando to just have ungodly saves and goals? Um, anyway, you know, so it looked like it was going to be a 2 nothing game this time, at least instead of a 1 nothing game, because the three previous meetings had all been one nothing, And this one was... Uh, Two nothing, and then all of a sudden Alana Kennedy uh, scores a screamer at the end of the game, uh, which was nice. It was nice to see Rachel Hill get an assist, uh, and uh, it was a two-one final. Didn't get a last crack at goal to try to maybe salvage a draw out of the game. But uh, Dave, what are your overall thoughts? My personally, I personally thought that going into Chicago probably was going to be a loss anyway. I thought the team showed a lot of fight and a lot of heart. They just again. Uh, lacking that scoring ability. I thought they looked a little heavy legged from maybe from the travel and um, you know, they didn't quite have that final ball. They lost too many, uh, uh, too many balls in the box and and around the top of the area. And again, they, they probably could have done better job of marking Kristen press, but I think people have been saying that ever since Kristen press. (laughs) Well, and, 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 and Kristen press has had, uh, had her fun with, uh, Orlando, uh, quite a few times. So, I mean, it's, it's not really a, a, a big surprise there, but, um, you know, sometimes you just, there's, there's that team, that you run into for a little while when you're new and you can't seem to get over the hump. And and for us, it seems to be the Chicago Red Stars. And I think I'm not saying that it's not going to happen uh, at some point. I think obviously we're going to, we're going to beat them at some point and, and it will be a glorious day. Uh, it wasn't going to be this time. Evidently I do like the fact that uh, Kennedy in the ninth third minute kept it to a, once again, one point loss rather one goal loss rather than a two goal loss. So at least, at least they had that. And that, and that actually was the, if I'm right, that was the first goal we've scored against them. Right. Yeah. Cause the three previous games were all right. One, all one, one nothing. Yeah. So, so, so Hey, you we're broke, on the board. Yeah. Broke the, uh, broke the drought. So finally, right, so after 360 minutes, they finally have a goal. That's progress. You. Yeah. So, so I'm going to say that's progress. You know, here's, uh, you know, my overall thoughts is, uh, you know, sometimes I, look, the Red Stars are one of the best teams. So, you know, it's going to be hard to win those. You know, Kristen Press is an incredible player. Uh, she's going to get her goals. I still feel really good about this team. Um, you know, Alex has not been back that long. Uh, we have all the pieces in place. I say that uh, given the fact uh, I, 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 excuse me, I say that knowing that, unfortunately, the next game that we play against the Red Stars, we're not going to have everybody uh, because that's the next game and we're going to be missing, oh, six or so of the most important players that we have um, because of uh, international call-ups. Yeah, that, the Tournament of Nations is going to ruin the next game with Chicago. Chicago will probably be without Press, without uh, Julie Ertz, without Casey Short, without Alyssa Nair. But Orlando is going to be missing starters, uh, two starters on the back line, two starters in the midfield. Um, actually three starters on the back line because Krieger got called up too. So it's Krieger, Catley, and Camilla all will be out. Uh, Monica will be out. Marta will be out. 
Alana Kennedy will be out. Alex Morgan will be out. Uh, it's just going to be a mess. Um, so it's it's going to be a survival type thing. Uh, the good thing is it's a home game. And without Kristen Press, maybe we'll get lucky. <laughs> right. Maybe she doesn't score on us and we actually, yeah, something weird happens. Yeah, that would be nice. Uh, something weird, like a victory over Chicago. That'd be nice. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But uh, the Tournament of Nations coming up, three games uh, for each of the four nations, the uh, U.S., uh, Japan, Australia, and Brazil. And, of course, with uh, a lot of pride players being on those teams uh, from those countries, it's it's really going to affect uh, only one game, though. That's the good thing because uh, they're playing. They play out on the West Coast on August 2nd, I believe, and then Orlando Pride play on on the fifth. So uh, there's a chance if some of those players don't play a lot of minutes, or maybe even if Krieger doesn't play in that last game, maybe Jill Ellis would be nice enough to to let her fly home a day or two early and <laughs> be able to uh, be fresh for that game. But it'd be it would be nice. Although uh, Allie Krieger was very, very culpable on, on uh, the Kristen Press goals uh, in that game, but. Um, that's true, but you know what? Everybody has an off, an off game, and um, for our listeners, hashtag send Krieger back. That's right. Uh, so Dom, by the way, has landed. I am looking at video right now of Dom Dwyer in a sea of purple. Uh, fans hugging, kissing, hi- not kissing, but high-fiving and hugging and patting on the back. And uh, it's it's really an awesome sight at the, uh, the Orlando International Airport as uh, Dom has arrived. He's flanked by... Uh, police officers, and he is uh, trying to make his way through the crowd. He's got scarves all over him. He's signing autographs. Uh, it's This is more people than I've seen at the airport for any arrival. So, Dave, that tells you how much the the fans are happy about uh, Dom Dwyer's return to Orlando. It's just it's an unbelievable mob scene, and uh, I'm I'm uh, I cannot believe how many people are at the airport. I'm sorry. Uh, tell me again that soccer is not popular in this country. <laughs> yeah, I, I, and he, you know, he, he landed at Terminal A, which I, I know they have a really good Chick Fil A there, so they probably did a lot of business at Chick Fil A tonight. <laughs> Chick Fil A was really happy that Don, Yeah. Yeah, they probably sold a lot of shakes and a lot of chicken tonight. So, uh, yeah, it's crazy, man. There's a lot of people at that airport. Um, anyway. So let's move on to the U.S. men's national team, of which Dom Dwyer, by the way, is a is a uh, is now a three capped player. Uh, the U.S. men's national team with a uh, a very defensive minded game against Costa Rica, with the exception of eight seconds in when Jordan Morris rang one off the post. Um, a, a very back and forth defensive uh, battle, not a lot of good clear cut chances. Uh, Bruce Arena finally sends uh, Clint Dempsey in in his home state there. And uh, he comes in, sets up the game winning goal and then scores one of his own to, uh, to tie Landon Donovan's record. And uh, so tonight, actually, if you're listening to this uh, on the day it drops, it's the gold cup final, uh, the U S men's national team against Met. No, not Mexico. Not so fast. No, no. It's Jamaica. Dave, Jamaica with the upset in the semifinals with a very late free kick goal from Kimar Lawrence of the New York Red Bulls. Uh, were you just absolutely shocked by that? Uh, shocked and, uh, pleased. Uh, well, I don't, I got mixed feelings on that cause I will, I always love beating Al tribe, but you know, um, yeah, yeah, that was, uh, that was, that was quite the, uh, the shocker. Um, 
look, doesn't matter. All I care about is we're in the finals. Um, we've got the chance to win the gold cup. And, um, for me, that's a, it's, it's a way for the U S to make a statement. It's not that it, you know, I mean, we're not talking about us qualifying. We're not talking about anything about that, but it, it still is Bruce arena, putting his stamp on this team saying here, we are here to win now. And this is what we're doing. So, I mean, since Bruce has got there, have, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, have we actually lost a match? No. Uh, second stint. I mean, we've had some Bruce draws. Yes. But... Second stint, Bruce is unbeaten uh, with uh, with the U.S. men's national team. It's, it's good to see the U.S. get in. I, I'm obviously, with the Gold Cup, even if you don't send your best team, the minimum you expect is a, an appearance in the final. So they've got that. They were playing terribly throughout this tournament and still skating by. They finally put together a good performance against Costa Rica and uh, in the semifinal uh, after surviving El Salvador and their biting and purple nurple tactics uh, in the quarterfinals. Uh, they went into the semis and, and put together their best performance so far. And right. uh, really, like I said, they n- almost scored within the first 10 seconds of the game. Uh, they end up settling into, you know, the defensive struggle that we expected with Costa Rica with their five man back line and weren't getting a lot of shot chances off. And they put in, they put in Clint and he just completely turned the game around with one run. I mean, he took the ball in traffic, made a beautiful spin move, beat three guys off the dribble through and sent a, in a beautiful through ball for Josie. Josie just had to finish, find a hole in uh, goalkeeper, Patrick Pemberton, who was coming off his line and Josie was able to get it through him and into the net to make it one nil. And then uh, a late, just a, a sweet and very crafty free kick. Uh, from Dom to curl it around the wall low where Pemberton was slow to react and it was able to sneak it inside the, the post. So uh, he gets to tie Landon Donovan with his 57th goal uh, for the United States. And uh, the U.S. moves on. Jamaica's win was very impressive, very unexpected. Uh, Andre Blake is going to make uh, things very difficult on the U.S. because he's he's probably been the best player in the tournament so far. Jamaica's goalkeeper, uh, who you may know from Philadelphia Union, he uh, really was the only reason Jamaica was in the game against Mexico. And then, uh, of course, Jamaica was able to uh, to squeeze out that late goal on a, on a free kick, which uh, the goalkeeper picked up so late that he couldn't even make an attempt at it. Uh, once that got over and around the wall, uh, all he could do is hope that it went high, and it did not. It snuck in under the bar, and uh, Kimar Lawrence gives Jamaica its second straight appearance, second all-time and second straight appearance in the final. So this is a rematch of 2015. Dave, you might remember Jamaica knocked the U.S. out of the Gold Cup in the semifinals, a rare uh, time that the U.S. was not able to reach the final. So this is a little bit of payback maybe tonight. True. Well, um, you know, different coach, different time. Um Looking back at the, the, the game, Deuce obviously came in, like you said, changed the entire tenor of the game. I mean, he he was he was a super sub that night, which uh, at this point in the career, uh, that may be who he is. And if that if that's what he is, I, he's the kind of guy I think that is going to be OK with that. If he if he's the one that has to come in and late and create those chances, I think he's good with that, especially if it I don't know, tonight gets him the. Uh, you know, goal scoring record. Um, I'm just saying, uh, like you said, that pass to Josie was excellent. The free kick was uh, the free kick of an experienced veteran international player who looked at 
where he was, where the wall was, where the goalkeeper was, and put it exactly where it needed to go. So um, a testament to to him uh, doing that. The, uh, the thing that I found funny and I want to mention is if you were watching that game and if you were listening to the commentary, of course, Landon is, is commenting. And uh, mm-hmm. after he scored that goal, he goes, that was a great goal. Hey, how about this? Don't score anymore and we'll share that we'll share that record. And I'm, I'm sure I know that Landon is joking about yeah. that. I know that he knows that he's still going to go for, uh, for more, but I, I, I just found it funny. Um, Jamaica. Hey, you know what? Give it to them. I mean, they, they're, they've been on fire in the last couple of years. I mean, they're stepping up. Um, I, for whatever reason, uh, I mean, well, here's the reason. Um, we haven't lost. Since Bruce came back, we haven't lost. We've had draws. We've had wins. Um, and, you know, he sent guys down. He brought guys up, which I'm going to address in just a second. But I think that uh, he is playing to win. The biggest difference that I noted uh, mentally earlier was um, in this Gold Cup, he's had different players come in at different times. And, yes, sometimes we skated by. In the past with uh, Klinsman, that was because he was trying different guys in different places that they are not used to playing. Mm -hmm. This time, it's been Bruce bringing in different people to the places that they do play in, so the positions that they do play in, and seeing who he can develop, seeing what he has. So it's more looking at what do I have as far as depth and, and, and all that. I know what I've got for some of the senior players. I mean, we haven't seen, you know, Pulisic because or he knows what he has there. Sure. Um, yeah, we've right. talked about this before. 27, right, of the exactly. 29, 27 of the 29 players have uh, gotten a start, I believe, in this Gold Cup that have been uh, called in, in during the uh, course of this tournament. So uh, Bruce has seen what he's got for, for Russia. He's sees what he got. You know, he sees a little bit about what he's got for the future. sees what he's got for depth. So it's all good. And hopefully the U.S. will go on and beat Jamaica and get revenge and win the Gold Cup tonight. That's all we can hope for. All right. uh, We've been yammering a long time, but we got actually two guests this week we're going to get to. And uh, we're going to talk to uh, Cody Bradley of uh, Stars and Stripes and the Blue Testament. You're going to bring him in to talk a little bit about uh, Dom Dwyer because he is a blogger for uh, not only the U.S. men's national team, uh, but also for uh, Sporting Kansas City. So he's going to give us a Sporting Kansas City view. I talked to him a little bit earlier today. And after that, we're going to talk to uh, our friend Eric Quintana uh, about the upcoming Orlando City-Atlanta United rematch and a little bit about the uh, the game last Friday, a little bit about the game coming up on Saturday, and a few more things. We're going to get to our guests right after this. All right, joining me here on the Mainland Podcast to talk about the Dom Dwyer transfer uh, is Cody Bradley. He is a contributor at Stars and Stripes FC in addition to uh, the Blue Testament. Stars and Stripes FC, of course, is SB Nation's site covering the uh, U.S. men's and women's national teams and uh, youth teams as well. And uh, the Blue Testament, of course, is SB Nation's uh, blog that covers Sporting Kansas City. Uh, Cody, thanks for being with us, man. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. Well, first thing I want to ask you, it's been a crazy day from our perspective, but what has it been like for for you guys over at the Blue Testament? Yeah, no, it was a, it was a pretty wild day. I I think a lot of people until this morning were 
you know, kind of still rolling their eyes at, oh man, you know, Orlando wants Dom still, you know, that, that whole saga. I think that's kind of what it was until this morning when the star was reporting that he wasn't at practice or that he wasn't going to practice today and that he was confirming uh, that the team was indeed discussing it and that it could be a, you know, a record deal. So that's when I think it kind of, uh, kind of started to sink in, at least my timeline reflected that. It got pretty dark there for a while. And, uh, and then, yeah, you know, it happened pretty quickly after that. Taylor Twalman started tweeting and then, you know, when that happens, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna be happening in no time. Yeah. I was really surprised at how quickly this came together. And we heard, um, sort of some behind-the-scenes rumblings about this about last, I want to say, Thursday or Friday, and then we really didn't have any source to go on the record with or, or anything that was, um, you know, enough to really run a story or anything on. And then on Sunday it was that Taylor Twelman put out there that, you know, this was being talked about, and and we were kind aggressively of... Pursuing. Yeah, aggressively <laughs> pursuing. I've, I've not seen that one, but... Uh, you know, yeah, we kind of we kind of chuckled about that uh, at the mainland about the, the aggressively pursuing. We're like, okay, well, we'll see where this goes, and um, as, if it was, as if it was passively pursuing before. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Before they were just kind of, yeah, whatever. You know, if you want to trade them to us, you know, we'll take them. Um, yeah. But yeah, so it, from Sunday to Tuesday, that was a very very quick turnaround for uh, a deal that I imagine um, had quite a few moving parts involved. Yeah, that's uh, it. Definitely surprises me, it's, and especially to see that people don't necessarily think Kyle Laren is going to be leaving. I, when when I saw how quickly this was moving, I thought maybe we were going to see Kyle Laren exiting and going overseas, and that's why all this was happening. But now it's looking like uh, people are trying to figure out how they're going to play together. Yeah, the interesting thing is, I think that a lot of people don't realize that Kyle's still got two option years on his contract, on his uh, initial contract. I would right. imagine that, uh, oh, and also that the, the team will get a lot higher percentage of any transfer fee if they wait till, till the end of the year to sell. So I wasn't right. I wasn't thinking that Laren was going anywhere in this particular window, and especially since he's coming off the DUI and a, and a you know, couple of months uh, where he really hasn't been effective. Uh, and, and um, you know, we were really haven't seen yet how he's going to respond you know from the DUI because he hasn't scored since he's been back the couple of games he's been back um so yeah. it's been an interesting kind of thing to, to sit back and watch all the speculation well what's this mean for Kyle Aaron and uh, you know what's going to happen and you know, from my perspective it was just about you know what are they going to give up to get Dom I know it's going to be probably more than what Kevin Molino you know fetched on the market uh, how yeah. are uh, how are sporting Kansas City fans feeling about the deal overall, and, and how are they feeling about losing Dom? Well, it's just man. I mean, it's tough. Like like Dom, Dom's a fan favorite. No matter you know the he makes would get people frustrated a lot of times. You know he's a streaky player, but he's just he's just so Kansas City. He did so much as antics on the. You know, his antics on the field, we loved he, how much he annoys center backs. And, you know, his, him, his family that he started here is is people like they're, they're the celebrity couple of the city, basically. And it's just, it, it hurts to see him go like it really does. He's our boy. I mean, we drafted him. And mm-hmm. 
brought him up, saw him turn into a man and become an American and, you know, like, all of this. So that part definitely sucks, but, you know, there's optimism about what Trader Pete, as he's known around here, can do with with such a hefty amount of, of allocation money or Garber bucks or Monopoly money, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah, I have a theory that nobody at the league office really tracks this. And it's just all made up. So <laughs> you just basically do whatever you want and just say, yeah, we'll give you $500,000 in allocation money. Okay. And then right, it's just yeah, like so nobody if, ever if collects. If Sporting like whip out, you know, $3 million in allocation money over the next couple of years, then we'll know that no one's actually keeping track. <laughs> exactly. Well, I get what you're saying because we kind of felt that way when Kevin Molino left because he was – he was an original Orlando City Lion from the first year the team played in the USL here. So he, he was here for four years in the USL and then two years in MLS. And, you know, we saw him overcome the, the knee injury his, his first year of MLS and have a really good season last year. And it looked like he was poised to have a, a big career here. And, and, you know, then he, he asked for more money he got offered more money but he asked for much more than he was offered and then sort of asked for a trade and then next thing you knew he was going to minnesota and we were all like you know what what um i think this move that move made a little sense because adrian heath went to minnesota and i think this move makes a little bit of sense because dom played here in 2013 and was part of that uh, championship team um here in in orlando where you know basically the team said you know, please, Sporting, please let us have him for the championship game. And, and all he did was come in and score four goals in a 7-4 to four championship game victory. Uh, quite a year for Dom in 2013 in that he scored in MLS, USL, MLS playoffs, USL playoffs, CONCACAF Champions League, US Open Cup, and even in a friendly against Fluminense. So yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't think that – I think it's safe to say no other player has ever done all of that in one year. Yeah, well, no, not not to give you guys firepower to, uh, um, you know, talk crap the next time we face each other, but that is definitely an added dimension to why this is, um, you know, annoying, more so annoying to fans, is that it's he is going back to this team that where we had to listen to the, like, fans claim all the time that he wanted to be there, and you know, like all that, and so so it does, and like like having to see the welcome home Dom, that's you you can imagine that can be pretty annoying to us after, you know, drafting him and <laughs> seeing him turn into a man, and then he goes somewhere to a team that he played with for like a month or two, you know, <laughs> so we we have to see welcome home. That's kind of annoying, but you know, that, so it definitely is an added dimension to why it hurts. But I, I can't help but think that that's definitely uh, uh, maybe not overpaying for him because we don't know what they're going to pay him. But that is definitely just, it seems to be too good of a deal to, to pass up. Especially when he, you know, it's been reported that they were working on an extension for a while. And Kansas City is used to players in all sports falling in love with the city and saying things like, you know, they, they'll they stay here, it's not about money, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. And there was, I mean, there was really none of that from Dom, not that there should be, you know, not, not, not hating on him at all for that, but it's just he didn't necessarily seem to want to be here, which a lot of fans in Kansas City are, like, used to seeing. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, I could I could totally get that, and I totally get what you're saying um, because from your perspective, you know, this was home in Kansas City, and you know, right. you're seeing this, like you said, this this team that was a minor league team that had him for a month and a half, two months or whatever. And, and said, you know, and, and they're saying, welcome home. And right. it, it's just because, you know, I think in many respects, um, you know, he's certainly one of the, one of the, the larger figures, one of the legends, if you will, of sporting Kansas city, but it, in a lot of respects too, he's one of the legendary figures of, of Orlando city. Uh, although obviously at a, at a much different level. So it's, it's a, no, a, yeah, I, I fully understand it. There's, there's no, there's no hate there. That's, yeah. that's the, that would be the hashtag around here too. If that were the case. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that it probably irks some folks there, especially after the, the Adrian Heath remarks in 2015. And, and I think, we, yeah. you know, we were, we, we we uh we had a little fun with it with the, some hashtags and and uh having some fun with it and we and the whole right. a very odd spiritual home remark that adrian heath we've we've uh, we still use that constantly <laughs> so that's, um that's that's a that's a meme here still for sure <laughs> Uh, so what is your sense of what's going to happen next for Sporting Kansas City? I've heard the name Christian Nemeth thrown out there and, and that some of the money that Orlando just sent to Sporting is going to go to Columbus for that uh, that spot to, to be able to bring him back. Uh, what are you hearing? Yeah, that's that seems to be uh, at least the most official people are are going with that, uh, that lead right now. Um, there's just the... You know that's why there's a lot of hesitancy around this, despite how much money it is. It's like that's a lot of money, but can we even do we have time to do something with it this year in this window when the team is in such a good position right now? <clears throat> and you know, there are most probably most of the fan base would absolutely love to see Christian Namath back here for sure. I just it seems like they're gonna have to jump through a lot of hoops to get him like like you said trading up to in the allocation order to get him and especially now that this has been announced that they don't seem to be in a in a very good position to negotiate um it, you know we'll we'll see but i i think at least for me undoubtedly peter vermees has earned the benefit of the doubt and, and the trust that he will you know do right with this money and i'm I'm confident. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that he'll, they'll do something here before uh, August 9th, I think, is when it, when it closes. Yeah, the, that, that's an interesting question. Do you think that, that Peter Vermees could have got the same amount of money at the end of the year that he got in this window? Or do you think that that's why he pulled the trigger, because he didn't think he could get as much money in the offseason? Well, yeah, I mean, that's I, – I, I guess that's what they landed on that, you know, his deals up at the end of 2018. And so they decided if, you know, we can't sign him that I guess this is the best deal we're going to get in the, over the next year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's actually, I was actually referring to, um, you know, like if you're Columbus now, then you can jack up the price and charge sporting even more to acquire that allocation spot. Especially because now I saw I also saw a report that Columbus were in talks with him, like Columbus wanted him themselves. So, you know that that could just be to jack up the price even more. But you know, well, it's it's just it's very weird because there are a lot of people with the club that were not at all happy, like legitimately mad at the way he left. Like, and it was 
there's some salt on both sides with how he left, right. and it just it seems weird that they'd be jumping through hoops to to get him back like this. But if you have to bring someone in right now midseason while you're hoping to compete for three trophies still, it would be good to have Namath who you know, potentially could slide into the lineup way better than, you know, a new Barcelona B person or something like that. Yeah. Now you, you brought that up. The, you know, sporting is in such a great position that this, this almost makes zero sense from a win, win it all now perspective to, to deal, you know, such an important piece of the team. If they, if they, if Vermes can't get Namath, where do you think the club goes? Yeah, uh, I, I, if they don't get Namath, or if they are actually doing that right now, and it doesn't happen, then I, I'm sure they're just gonna have to ride out the end of this year. They're gonna hope, um, you know, uh, Daniel Shallowy and Diego Rubio can step up, and well, and Sunisad too, I guess. He has his options, but it's definitely a, a huge step down from Dom Dwyer, but. He, you know, that's if if not Namath in this window, then it's gonna have to be somebody around here in a combined effort. Well, you know, we at least you know you can give Orlando City credit for showing you guys that Latif Blessing could score goals. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> that is very true. Because uh, he he ripped us up pretty good in that uh, that two two draw. Um, yeah, he he also didn't look too good himself in other parts of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe so. That's fair. Um, I think he, I think he's got the he's he's learning to cut the diving out. He's just a kid though. You got to give him some slack. Yeah, it's we've you know we've lived through those similar growing pains with young players too. So uh, it's right. something that especially young players from from certain other countries where that's fairly commonplace. So it, it's it's annoying and you know you have to kind of just wait for them to grow out of it. But uh, it's a frustrating wait. So. What what is it about Dom? Do you think that that really makes him? I mean, I, I guess fans always like the goal scorers, but what is it about Dom specifically? Do you think that people really latch on to? Because he he's been a fan favorite here. He's been a fan favorite there. He's obviously uh, captured the imagination of the country with his start with the U.S. men's national team. Oh, it's it's a combination of many things. It's his pretty face. It's his pretty smile. And it's his pretty wife and his pretty child and another thing. But it's just, he just, like like you said, they like the goal scorers, but Dom just has the, he just has that, that personality the that he will always love to talk and joke in front of cameras and in front of anyone. And he, he's got the personality that, that people will latch on to. That's, that's for sure. Now, is Dom's kid already uh, considered a homegrown for sporting Kansas City, or is that still? Yeah, man, we need to. Yeah, we need to capture him well before they before they leave the area before <laughs> Sydney before Sydney can get a deal with Orlando. Speaking of that, do you, I, I know that Sporting doesn't own FCKC, but do you think that that's a likelihood that Sydney will try to make a move to the Pride? I mean. Yeah, like I have to assume that it's like a for sure thing that's going to happen. Like they they made it happen here. They, you know, not necessarily jumped through hoops, but did some work to get it happen like make it happen here. And yeah, I mean with a with Cassie with Cassius the new baby boy, I, I think they're uh, I think they're all going to have to be together there in Orlando. 
what do you put the percentage on as the, the likelihood that those discussions took place before the deal was made? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I it, it definitely was brought up. Like, at some point, I'm sure somebody with Orlando had to say, like, yeah, we can make that happen. Like, I, I'm sure they had to say, like, they will do that. Yeah, there's also been an awful lot of discussion here on well, on social media with the fans of is it going to be you know morgan and servando carrasco going back to kansas city and oh, I, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how well received servando was there his first uh, time around he's been actually a fairly useful player here in orlando yeah no he he wasn't received well here didn't didn't do well in his time he kind of like he got a couple really bad cards. He's got a red card in like one of his very few appearances, and just didn't uh, didn't wasn't sporting fit as a lot of people will say. He didn't seem to fit into Vermees's lineup, and that's a just it's a very difficult spot that he he was trying to play holding midfielder like where Ilya is at right now, and that just that that never that didn't seem to work here. All right, uh, before I let you go, Cody, uh, you know we. When we had Dom before, you know, we had Adrian Heath, and he's pretty famous for being inflexible and running the the four two three one. Dom very uh, effective as a lone striker up top. Uh, now we've got uh, Jason Kreiss, who loves his four four two. And uh, what can you tell uh, you know our listeners about Dom in a two man strike force? Well, yeah, we really have not seen very much of it. The very very briefly we saw. Him and Diego Rubio up top, uh, like for one game last year, and that was you know at, for you know 20 minutes or something at the end of a game, and I don't I'm very interested to see if he how how he does up there with someone. It I I know that he will uh, attract a defense and wear a defense down on one side and and probably do wonders to have to create for somebody else up there with him. Because oftentimes it's you know he said he did he does very well by himself as the lone striker, but for a lot of sporting fans it felt like he was just on an island by himself and and needed some support up there with him. So he you know it it he may have to change his style a little differently. He may, he may not have to do all of the uh, hold up play and uh, the work rate that he has here, and he may be free to. You know, do something else if he's got some support. But I, I think it'll, I think it'll do him, do him well with with another guy up there with him. Well, when that guy's Kyle Laren, it's going to be interesting to see which guy gets more room for the other for the other player. You know? Yeah, yeah. That's center uh, center backs are going to be beat up after a game against those two. <laughs> well, Cody Bradley, we really appreciate you coming on on, on short notice. I might add, uh, obviously, this uh, came together very, very quickly. And uh, I'll let you go. But Cody Bradley, uh, contributing writer for Stars and Stripes FC and the Blue Testament, thanks so much for joining us on the Mainland Podcast. Yes, sir. Have a good one. Enjoy the new toy. (laughs) All right. Take care. All right. Joining us here uh, back-to-back weeks. We have the same guest on back-to-back weeks. I don't think this has ever happened before. Uh, We are happy to welcome back with us Eric Quintana, the host of the Mouths of the South uh, podcast and also a contributor at Dirty South Soccer, the SB Nation site covering Atlanta United. Uh, Eric, uh, have you been in a gloating mood all week? 
Oh, it feels so good to talk to you guys this week after a great win. After after such a heartbreaking win for you guys, I'm sure. It just feels I'm on cloud nine right now. I haven't heard any any of the uh, old Orlando City fans that that you know mock me on podcasts. I haven't heard from them this week, so I'm I'm excited. I have to ask you. <laughs> I wanted to start off by just asking a very simple question. Uh, why is Brad Guzan such a hater on uh, Jonathan Spector? <laughs> I don't know, but I look. There were a lot of doubters when it came to him, and uh, and when what Atlanta's decision was, and and getting him and using an uh, um, an allocation uh, spot. But at least that one game it paid off. And look, if that's all it takes, look if if nothing else went well this season, if we beat you guys all three times, I'm fine with it. And he was a big piece as to why we won. And I mean, I I couldn't, I can't say everything I was worried about, Brad Guzan. Uh, in terms of distribu- distribution, uh, he was he was fine with. I'm not going to say he was, you know, he's great or that I'm convinced that he's going to be a great distributor of the ball, uh, especially with the ball at his feet. But in terms of saves, I knew he was a better st- uh, shot stopper than uh, than than Can, and uh, he proved it. I think the one thing Can was missing was that special save, those special save moments in games, and he just never had really had that opportunity or really took it upon himself to take that opportunity, I guess. And Guzan, you saw at least twice against Orlando City that. Uh, he was able to create those moments. Now, Eric, uh, you guys usually are pretty prolific scorers. Uh, obviously, Orlando City went into that game trying to to keep that uh, that number down and hopefully score something ourselves. As you just mentioned, Guzan kept us out of the net. Uh, rolling into the 85th and then 86th minute, were you were you getting a little a uh, little worried about the uh, production on your side? Honestly, I was I was more concerned with. Uh, you know, an Atlanta moment in the sense that we would give up the or give up the the draw the point, I guess, um, in the in the final minutes, and then of course we scored and everything was good. But yeah, I mean, we looked like a team that hadn't played in two weeks. We looked sloppy. Almiron didn't have his best game. Tito Vijalba, um, I criticize him a lot. I'm not criticizing him anymore <laughs> for the rest of the year. He has he has uh, you know uh, an entire the rest of the year he has uh, he has a grace period for uh, because he's that that shot alone kind of rocked everyone in Atlanta United uh every Atlanta United fans world because that was that's gonna be one of those where we look back in 25 years like yep I remember exactly where I was I remember exactly how I celebrated I remember exactly that moment that that happened against the first meeting against Orlando City you know he's gonna be memorialized for that shot for the celebration um and in a game that you know we really struggled with look in all honesty I thought Orlando City should have won that game because Atlanta United struggled to to really get a sense of cohesion, really get consistency in terms of uh, getting the ball into the attacking side of the field um, and really producing, you know, a number of dangerous chances. I thought actually Orlando city did a better job of that than, than, than Atlanta did. We just kind of capitalized on the one moment we, the one big moment we had, I know that toward the end there, it looked like Tata Martino just basically said, you know what, I'll meet on go play up top. Uh, we put Vasquez on the right. We pushed, uh, Vijalba back on the left, and that move alone created some space up top, and that's when we started to see, uh, you know, the attacking presence from Atlanta United. And you could tell at that moment that Tata Martino, at least in my opinion, understood from the fans' perspective um, what this rivalry meant. And he said, "You know what? We're going to go for the win." And I think that move showed exactly that. Admiral got a few chances. We saw the blast from Tito, and that was all it took. Well, you know, um, you're probably pretty fortunate that it was Jonathan Spector on the end of those set pieces instead of Kyle Lahren. Uh, but uh, it, it was, 
it was a little unfortunate. A little bad luck for for Specs. We thought that, man, he got robbed, especially on the first one. The second one was a little bit yeah. not quite as difficult, but still a, a tough save. Uh, but then, uh, and of course, Rivas uh, shooting right at the keeper when he had uh, his his one uh, yep. break breakaway chance or semi-breakaway chance. And then, of course, uh, there late when Will Johnson shot way over the net to, trying to be a little too perfect uh, to beat Guzan. So uh, I was... For me, I was watching the game uh, next to uh, one of your, uh, you know, co-workers over there at uh, Dirty South Soccer. Uh, Sydney was right next to me, and mm-hmm. uh, we were both thinking, you know, um, wow, Orlando City was probably the better side overall for the 90 minutes, but really nothing to show for it. And uh, uh, I will credit the uh, the Atlanta defenders had, had a pretty good game in terms of, of not allowing too many clear-cut chances except on set pieces. Uh, there were a few breakdowns, but they didn't end up hurting the team. Uh, but I think if you would have told me going into the game, Atlanta's going to have eight shots, attempts, I probably would have taken that and run. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Look, the one thing I think that a lot of people forget about Atlanta United, they might not have a lot of shots on goal, but the shots they do have are quality shots. They look for the best possible shot they can possibly take, sometimes to a fault. Um, and so although that shot number might be low, all those shots, for the most part, are going to be quality shots, great opportunities to score. They're not going to be, um, you know, haphazard, you know, let's just try my luck. I don't even think, even Tito's goal, I think he knew exactly what he was doing. He planted the whole, not planted it, but he obviously saw his opportunity and took it. Um, and we've seen him take those rips. And even though some of them may go over the bar, they're still good looks. And I thought that was another example of a, of that of that moment where he where he saw an opportunity he took it and, and it worked in his favor it obviously was you know again a great goal for us um i thought in terms of the back line you mentioned not giving up not giving up too many dangerous opportunities i think guzan was a big aspect of that i think his communication in the back at least one game in um really helped uh, kind of solidify that back line and even though they still had moments they're still gonna look rusty at least for a couple weeks you know i, I thought you could see the difference from a guy like Can, who maybe isn't as vocal, to a guy like Guzan, who, and I thought this was going to be a problem for a guy like Perez, who made the trip over from Europe, um, and I thought maybe his ego may have, might have been a bit an issue when it came to Guzan, because I mean we all know Guzan is the guy that whoever, whenever he gets scored on, or whenever it's a really close shot, he's up and yelling at his defenders. I thought that would be an issue. Um, I didn't think it was an issue in this game, and I don't know that. Um, I think maybe Guzan and Perez might have talked beforehand about that specific thing, about, you know, I'm going to get up and I'm going to start yelling. It's all in trying to solidify and, and, and really make our back line a cohesive unit as opposed to, you know, just crapping on you for a mistake you made or anything like that. Well, uh, continuing on Guzan, um, I'm curious, did you send either flowers or a fruit basket or, what did you what did you send to Bruce Arena for sending him back down for you guys so that that he he was able to be there to stop all those shots? Oh, I blew, I blew him a kiss on the TV. <laughs> um, that's what I did because I honestly I I don't know if I expected that. Um, just because of I, I don't know I don't really know what to make of this Gold Cup tournament, but I don't know if I expected him to get sent down. Um, I know that Tata Martino loved the fact that he got sent down. I know Atlanta United fans loved the like loved the fact that he got sent down. We all expect him to be back after the Gold Cup. Uh, fully completed mm-hmm. and thankfully we got him back and i thought again he was a major difference i mean no knock on on can and let's not forget can himself is injured he's injured for i want to say six more weeks 
So you're looking at Rainish, who has played one full game, um, hasn't had a lot of that first team opportunity, um, you know, throughout the season. Whereas Guzan, I mean, look, you can expect him as a national team keeper. You can expect expect him to go into a game uh, not super familiarized with his back line, uh, at least to the extent that you know he would with a you know a, a club team, and and perform well. He does that with the national team all the time for the most part, and. This is an, just another example of that. It's, it's almost the exact same scenario, except he's almost never played with a guy like Perez. Or, <laughs> or I'm not going to say almost never. He's never played with a guy like Perez. Um, I want to say he's never played with a guy like – or he's never played with Mears or, or Walks. Um, I think he actually has played with Parkhurst and Garza. But, I mean, you get what I mean. Yeah. Now, Eric, um, what do you think – the teams will try to do differently on Saturday, uh, having seen each other already. I mean, what do you think Orlando needs to do better, and what do you think Atlanta needs to do better in this second meeting? Um, well, I know that uh, Orlando's going to start uh, Kyle Laren and um, Dom Dwyer. At least I would. <laughs> uh, that's not um, – look, that's the one thing that, that, that was missing. It was, it was quality finishing, and um, I think that both Kyle Laren and, and Dom Dwyer – I mean, that's what they do. They finish, finish balls. They're, they're quality finishers. Um, they have a knack for goal. Um, and adding a guy like Dom Dwyer, that scares the bejesus out of me uh, because I, he, he just does, he, that's what he does. He finds the goal. He finds ways to score. And that's something that Atlanta United, when they face players like that, they sometimes struggle with. Um, they sometimes have a problem covering those guys, making sure they, they, they're on their P's and Q's when it comes to marking him um and you add him in next to a guy like Kyle Lane and who knows what the hell could happen I guess United um were you surprised the, this were you surprised to see that Laren played less than 24 hours after playing for Canada out in Arizona no look I think I think uh I think I think both coaches lied when in 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 saying that they don't know or that this game isn't a rival I think they both try to downplay play it in case they lost <laughs> honestly because a smart coach in a game that uh, in the coming back after a two week break that really look, I mean, let's look at the facts. This game against Atlanta United only means something in the grand scope of the season to Atlanta and Orlando, Atlanta and Orlando fans losing last week really is not the end of the world for Orlando's. It wouldn't have been the end of the world for Atlanta, but for the fans, it was, or at least for a week yeah. is kind of the end of the world is the greatest thing that ever happened. Um, so I, I just, I'm not surprised. Um, I thought that, that, him playing was acknowledging that, that this was a rivalry game, that this was a game that meant something, at least to the fans. And I'm, I'm look, I, I would have done the same thing. I would have brought him back and, and, and played him uh, in the same way that, that he was played. That's right. not surprising at all. All right. Sorry so, to interrupt so, you. I didn't mean to, to cut off your train of thought. What does Atlanta need to do uh, better this week? Uh, hopefully spend some more time together on the training ground. Cause it just looked a little, I mean, I don't look like he had one of his worst games, not one of his, <laughs> yeah. One of the worst games he's had, uh, since coming to Atlanta. Um, he didn't look all there. Um, I think having Martinez hopefully back is going to be a big deal because he just changes the, the, the overall look of the, of, of the attack. He's, he's that dynamic guy that, that makes everyone else work harder, that, that changes the mindset of everyone else. Tito up top, honestly, in my opinion, doesn't work. Um, I think he's a winger. I think he's a second striker. But him up top pretty much by himself is, is a no-go for Tito. I, I know he scored, but again, 
if you look at the, the adjustments they made in those last 10 minutes, he's on the left. Mm-hmm. And he crosses over in the middle like many times he's done before and blasts one into the upper 90. And that's, that's – I'm not taking anything away from what he did, but, I mean, he does that stuff on the wing. What he does in the middle of the field is run on the long balls. And he uses his speed to his advantage in those, in those situations. Martinez in the middle up top by himself – is much more dynamic. He can uh, dribble in tight spaces. He can uh, he can take a defender one v one. That's not something Tito can do, and I think that's what was missing against Orlando City. It was a surprise to us. We didn't realize he was going to be. Otherwise, I would have said it on the podcast because I, I don't I don't really hold back. <laughs> I, we were shocked that he wasn't playing, and we found out a couple hours. I mean, same time everyone else found out. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're you're buying into uh, this being a rivalry. Um, I, I know. Like you said, the coaches might be downplaying it. Um, uh, Orlando fans may not be quite ready to say so just because since we lost, you know, it, it, you don't want to give it any any due credit. Um, but uh, what are you, what are you hearing on your side? Is it uh, is it a confirmed rivalry for uh, for you guys? It's for us. I mean, the only other team that we really can, could consider a rival, and it's because we lost them twice now, is DC United. Everyone else. New York, maybe in the future, but I, I just look. Orlando is the the team we hate right now, <laughs> um, and I mean, don't act like it didn't hurt. I mean, at least admit that it hurt. Oh no, to lose. I'm not saying the way that we lost. Listen, that way you listen, lost. <laughs> I'm not saying it didn't hurt. And I actually have. I live in Tallahassee, and there is actually a Atlanta United fan who I'm a member of the Outlaws with, and so mm. I have to hear a grief personally <laughs> when this stuff happens. So don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying it didn't hurt, and I'm not saying that I wasn't almost breaking things in my house. I'm just curious about what you're hearing on your end. I mean, I, I am hearing, we are here. I mean, we are, I mean, we treat it as if we just beat our rival, um, regardless of how the Orlando fans takes it or not. You know, it's, it's, we treat it like we just, you know, like, like we're bossing. We just beat the Yankees. And, um, Hey, I, don't know, I think that's how ever, you ever you ever call us the Yankees again. I'm gonna have to come up there. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not. That, that's just that's just an example. I'm not calling yeah. you guys the Yankees. Yeah. <laughs> right. That you want to get uh, personal? That's getting personal. <laughs> but I definitely think no, that this, the the supporters groups uh, took this to be a rivalry. They, uh, I think there was a terminus legion uh, upside down flag on the on the capo stand half the night, and then it also got hoisted up to the rafters. Which, by the way, we don't condone stealing other people's flags, guys. Come on. <laughs> I mean, you know, this it's not capture the flag. It's it is someone else's property. But if you know, if they gave it to you if you bought it, then that's fine. Look, I mean I I <laughs> all this stuff between the supporters that happened, I mean I know I saw one one Atlanta guy got guy got punched in the face. Um I saw I heard another report of a guy that honestly I I heard it was more he tripped and fell than try to claim like it was that stuff like that I think it's just gonna go on because yeah. Look, we have those people in our, in our in our fan base too, so it's not. I'm not. I'm really hoping it doesn't show up against Atlanta United, or when you guys come to Atlanta. But I I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be shocked if we saw the same sort of stuff coming out of your end, <laughs> just yeah. because sometimes that's just people take it too far, and that's just what happens. Um, so I'm not. We I look at Orlando fans. I don't see what what the the few examples that I saw out of the the supporters uh, the the Orlando. Ugh. The Orlando City supporters, uh, the couple that you know misbehaved, I don't consider that to be the entire fan base. Right. I don't consider that to be every supporters group that supports Orlando City. And I would hope that most of the Orlando City fans that listen to your podcast, if and hopefully they don't, but if they see the same stuff on our end, they know it's just one knucklehead. It's one a-hole. 
or a couple a-holes i don't know but it's not the entire it's not the entire group as a whole and i wouldn't expect i i truly don't imagine anything like that happen so come to atlanta feel safe (laughs) (laughs) all right enjoy the game (laughs) i i have to say most of the people that i have heard from that sat near atlanta fans or dealt with atlanta fans uh throughout the course of friday evening had good things to say so that's a, a a good testament to the fact that it is you know it is a couple of just a couple rotten apples that can spoil the whole bunch i mean it doesn't take much to ruin a reputation it only takes one or two idiots to ruin the reputation of a whole fan base so hopefully everybody will will keep in mind that just because we support a sports team from a different geographic location it doesn't make anybody superior or inferior to the others and it, it's okay to to razz the other the other team's fans but let's let's keep it you know human a little bit uh i think that's you guys, a, i was gonna ask do you guys know how many people are showing are going to orlando yet uh, sorry, are you, are you going to Atlanta? I don't have a number. I'm I'm pretty sure it's going to be a sizable contingent, maybe uh, something similar uh, in size or maybe a little larger since it's a bigger capacity uh, right. than, than what Atlanta had. Well, I will say Atlanta had the best traveling support so far of any team that we've seen so far. I think being a dri- you know driving distance certainly helps with that. And uh, uh, I thought for the most part that they, they showed – pretty well I, I thought they did well i i don't know how they how they like the tifo i've heard mixed mixed uh, reactions to the tifo i thought that i'm being a walking dead fan i thought the tifo was awesome but um and, and <laughs> i thought i thought i thought i thought it i thought it looked cool if you could separate you know <laughs> sure if you there can take it for the, what it's worth yeah it, it, look, there is this connotation of violence in it but it's i mean look it i thought it looked cool <laughs> Um, I'm yeah, not going to deny that. I thought it looked pretty cool. It's, I think part of a TIFO is it's supposed to intimidate the opposition. So I think you had that element to it. Um, I think it was, you know, it's a pop culture thing. So I think that that was cool. I mean, it's, I think when we went to Seattle, they had, I think, a big foot stomping on a cat. And I don't think that anybody in Seattle did that thinking, yeah, animal cruelty. You know, <laughs> I, I, so it's, I think people just need to you know, lighten up a little bit when it comes to TIFOs. TIFOs are supposed to be fun and over the top and that kind of thing. So um, anyway, Eric, before we let you get out of here, just want to kind of get your thoughts on how you think round two might go now that these teams have had uh, a a, a look at each other, number one, but number two, there will be arrested Kyle Laren and the addition of Dom Dwyer to uh, the Orlando lineup. I I don't know. How do you guys do in in packed stadiums with 45,000 people? Because uh, I, I mean that that that's gonna be the true that's gonna be the true test. Is usually how it's a, usually that. it's our stadium when it has that many people because the, <laughs> that's what we were used to at the at the Citrus Bowl. But uh, yeah, we've uh, we I think what we've I mean, we went to Seattle a couple times and we lost badly and then drew. So I think we've had some mixed results in, in large in front of large crowds. But certainly, um, you know, I'm sure that it'll be loud because you know the the Bobby Dodd stadium era is coming to an end and you know, that's going to be a, yep. a, a huge deal for Atlanta fans because of all the years they've been in that venerable stadium. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The years. Um, <laughs> no, but look, it, it, it'll always be our first home. So as much as you joke about it, you know, it's going to have a, it's going to hold a special place in the heart of a lot of, a lot of Atlanta United fans. Look, if it's the exact same lineup that, that Tata Tart, uh, uh, trotted out there, um, the first go around and, and you guys are going to start Dom Dwyer and Kyle Laren up top, then I, I'm very, very, I'm more nervous than I was the first time. If Martinez is in the game, I think it's a completely different story. I think it's much more even. 
I think that if anything, it, if anything, it's going to be slightly an edge against uh, for Atlanta because of the home crowd, and that's really about it. Everything else is going to be even. So, I mean, I I expected a four three affair in the first one. We got a one nothing game. <laughs> so, like I said last time, the, the, when you think you know what's going to go, what's going to happen in an MLS game, you know MLS finds a way to give you the middle finger and punch you right in the face. So. Um, yeah, you you did actually say that last week, so yeah, yeah. I did, I did, and I, of course when I say it, I, I I'm proven right by MLS, but um, I think that it'll be a rather similar affair. Maybe not one nothing, but maybe maybe a tightly contested game, maybe like a two one type of game. Um, and I mean, honestly, hoping that uh, we send Bobby Bobby Dot off right. All right, you heard it here first. He hopes that Orlando City wins. Nope, nope, nope. Oh, what you nope. said, right? <laughs> you said you said right. Okay, we're agreeing with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eric Quintana, thanks so much uh, for being a good sport, coming back on our podcast, and not gloating too much uh, after uh, after Atlanta's one nil win uh, on Friday in the first meeting of the two southeasternmost uh, MLS teams. Uh, Eric, you can find his work at Mouths of the South podcast and also at Dirty South Soccer. Thanks so much for coming back on the show, and I'm sure we'll talk to you again down the road. Not a problem. I, I'm not gloating now, but when we beat you three out of the last three times, then I'll gloat. Okay, no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> Man, Dave, this is a big old edition of the oh. podcast. This episode number ninety-six. Let me let me let me just say something that earlier. When this whole hit, I said, and the podcast just got longer. It did. It got longer because we we definitely went very in depth on the Dom thing for sure. Well, you know what? That people are going to want to listen to that though. I hope that's true. I don't know how. I'll be interested to see how many stay till the end of this one. All right. Well, here. <laughs> no, I, let me tell you. Here's how I listen to podcasts. I don't right. always listen to podcasts like all the way through. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll, I'll like oftentimes I'll listen to it and because I'll do it when I'm driving and stuff. So like I'll listen to it and then I'll go back and I'll listen to you know I'll go find where I left off and I, I mean I'll listen to it in segments. So. Yeah. Okay. That's fair enough. I do the same thing um, because it's it's just hard to find that much time all the way through. So if you're listening to us in the car, uh, you know you can you can just stop when you get to where you're going and then pick it back up when you get back in the car. How about that? Uh, anyway, Dave the. We gotta get to the mailbag, but first I want to again thank Cody Bradley and uh, thank Eric Quintana uh, for being our guest this week. Very, uh, very good guys to have on the show, and I'm very glad we had them on. Dave, you probably have some mailbag questions. I have some. Uh, would you like to start us off? Okay, so uh, Mark Johnson, make your joke. Uh, no, I'm not going to say it anymore. People that have been listening, ah. people that have people that have listened to us long enough know uh, my feelings about Mark Johnson, even though it's not the same Mark Johnson. I know, but <laughs> the, the Mark Johnson we're talking about was a little upset that you didn't keep making the joke. But anyway, okay, so Mark Johnson. He just wants to hear his well, name on the air. He <laughs> does. Well, but to be fair, he's also a absolute every week listener. But anyway, okay, good. Uh, Mark Johnson asked uh, what we think of um, uh, regulation and promotion in MLS and if that's a thing and if it will happen. Uh, promotion relegation in MLS, no. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it uh, will because there's uh, that's not the way that the U.S. sports owner is wired. 
they want to spend their money and have a guarantee that they're going to be uh, in the league next year. They're not going to want to spend their money and invest it and and then risk being knocked down to a lower level and having less TV revenue and less of everything else, less money to spend on the players and that kind of thing. Uh, I don't see it ever happening. I don't. I just don't. I, I think that there's a um, a segment of people who like it and there's a segment of people who don't like it. And I don't think that this country needs to follow the rest of the world in every aspect of it. It's does it make things interesting? Sure. You know, cause it gives you something to shoot for when your team's terrible. But other than that, eh, I don't see that much benefit of it. And I just don't see it happening the way that us uh, soccer is going to be structured for the foreseeable future. I completely agree with you, and it all comes down to money, and the people who have the money don't want that to happen, and since they got the money, they make the rules, and thus it won't happen. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Pretty I mean, cut and dry the there. <laughs> that's, that's the simple answer. Um, I mean, yes, we kind of like it when uh, we look at it in other leagues, you know, Premier League, blah, 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 but you know what? Uh, the team that you follow and the team that I follow are really never – down there near that relegation line so we don't ever really care about it so it doesn't hit us at uh at our home um i would imagine that the people that are at that line probably don't like it quite as much yeah i think that's a good assessment i think it's a yeah. really good assessment okay we got uh, several questions uh, a few people want to know uh what uh with dom dwyer being added uh what are the potential positional changes and uh, and what are our ideal starting 11? So let's give credit to Elder Gorilla on Twitter and also to uh, Tanner Rosalino. Uh, they both asked that same uh, question. And um, I think we'll uh, – I'll go ahead and start, Dave. I think that, that what I expect to see is that – Now, are we talking about going forward or talking about this week? I, I think it's just in general. They didn't say necessarily for Atlanta. I think that um, – what will once he's integrated yeah. into the system. Yeah, okay. once he's once he's what is he here to do? And I think essentially we'll see a Dwyer Laren partnership up top. I see Riva sliding back into the midfield at least until or unless the team signs another offensive minded midfielder uh, that has some kind of movement and creativity. And uh, so I think we'll see Rivas and Kaká as offensive you know, the attacking midfielders, I think Will Johnson stays in the lineup. I think either Higuita or Nocherino gets dropped. The other one uh, will partner with Will to be the defensive player. Uh, and um, I guess if you would ask me which one that would be, uh, it's really hard to drop Higuita because he's such a good, uh, you know, enforcer on the defensive end. But I just don't see him as a guy who links the back line and the midfield. I think it might be Aguitas to start with, but I think maybe he plays his way out of that and Nocherino comes back in. So that's my thought is a is a Rivas, uh, Aguita, Johnson, Kaká midfield until maybe Nocherino eventually uh, takes that spot from Aguita. I think we we definitely see uh, Dom up top with. Uh, with Kyle Lahren, no changes at the back. That's my, what I see as the starting 11. That's what I see as the ideal starting 11. And I don't see, we'll, I, I don't think we'll see any real difference. I, I think also we could see uh, potentially Barnes get some more time in the midfield uh, and, and maybe Rivas is a super sub. Maybe some, that could happen as well. 
Okay, so I'm going to agree with you on most of that, except for one thing. I think that uh, Gidu is the one that has pulled out. I think Neutrino stays in just because of consistency. Uh, I know the stats on Higita that we score more when he's in there and all that. But at the same time, I feel that we also give away more balls in the midfield when he's in there rather than Notorino. So I think that for the time being, at least, Notorino is in there for consistency. Uh, Backline stays the same. Kaká, Notorino, uh, Johnson, and um, and I'm blanking. Whoever. Oh, oh, Kaká. Wait. No, I said Kaká. Rivas, Kaká. Rivas, Rivas, yes. Rivas, and Rivas drops back. And then, uh, of course, Dom and Laren up top. So that's how I see it. Um, as far as uh, as far as Barnes, um, uh, we've talked – the only problem I have and, – and I like the idea of as Rivas as a super sub is the amount of money we're paying him and him wanting to be willing to do that. That would be the only question – uh, on that is if he would want to be that role, and I don't think that he necessarily would. I think he's excellent in that role. I think it's the perfect role for him, but uh, once again, I don't know that that's something that would keep him happy. And as a matter of fact, I even brought it up earlier in the season, and you told me that he wouldn't be happy with that. So that's that's my only concern about that I don't that think one. anybody's happy being the sub, but I think someone has to be, and I think that somebody's going to have to get used to the idea. Right, so I mean, is it... Is it Right. So is it Barnes? Is it Rivas? You know, uh, I think if if it's if it's Rivas and he's coming in and he's scoring a bunch of goals, okay, yeah, maybe he's okay with that. Yeah. But I could even see uh, Barnes and Rivas uh, rotate depending on the opponent. Uh, does do we need speed more? Yeah. Do we need more create? You know, uh, more. Sure. You know, somebody who'd run at players. I mean, it's, it just depends. Uh, I, it'll be interesting to see, but I, I think we'll we'll get a, a, an idea pretty quickly. Uh, within the first two or three games, what what Jason Christ is thinking. So, and I think regardless, we both agree that uh, Don being there and, and Rivas being able to move back to the midfield and create whichever midfield we have at that point is still better than what we had now. Probably so. Uh, it remains to be seen, but uh, you know, at least the strikers are are more consistently good uh, than they were. Uh, there's just as much threat. Uh, from I mean, because Laren's the exact same threat he used to be, and but also Dom Dwyer uh, is more of a scoring threat than Carlos Rivas. 365 days of the year. Um, <laughs> yeah. So and and on Sundays. <laughs> uh, Justin Roman says, "Don't you mean Domcast?" Because I called it the podcast. Uh, which I, I'm going to give Justin uh, credit for that. That's, that was good. Yeah, tonight, yes. Tonight yes, it is the right. Domcast. Uh, Ian F. on Twitter wants to know exactly how much of a badass is Dom Dwyer, although he, he spelled it Don, so uh, I don't know about Don, but Dom Dwyer, how much of a badass is Dom Dwyer? Well, uh, he Chuck Norris is afraid of him. <laughs> That's how much. Uh, what do you, what do you think? To, I got, I've got nothing to no, add. Nothing to, to add. What, 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 how can I, I, there's nothing. You went right to Chuck Norris. How the hell am I supposed to do anything? I, I was going to give a nuanced thing where I talked about the U.S. Men's National Team and you went right to Chuck Norris. So I'm done. Okay. Uh, moving on. Uh, Luis Hernandez, who used to write for our very blog, wants to know who's winning the golden boot for the Lions, Dave. I'll let you go first this time. Oh, jeez. Um, Golden boot for the Lions. Uh, it's going to be Kyle. Kyle's going to come back. He's going to have a better half of the last half of the season. He's going to get the goals. Uh, part of that reason is going to be because Dom is there helping him. And so that is the reason why that he gets that. But he's also got a head start. 
He does, because, I mean, you don't get to count Dom's five goals for Kansas City as Orlando City goals. So it's an eight-goal lead right now for Laren. I don't see Dom making that up. I don't see that. Um, I think Kyle's going to start scoring again, too. Um, what else? Uh, who else do we got here? There have been so many at mentions today. It's not even funny on Twitter. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's been kind of crazy. Oh, okay. So Wes, I don't know how to pronounce your last name, Wes. I'm sorry. Wes on Twitter. Uh, it starts with a T, uh, but I'm not even going to try to pronounce this because I'll butcher it. Uh, wants to know, does Sidney LaRue come with Dom Dwyer? And I think we've already covered that earlier, but yeah, I think that Sydney tries to make that happen. I think Dom tries to make that happen. And I think that Orlando City, on behalf of Dom, tries to make that happen. So yes, I think that's uh, something that we will see at some point. And given my earlier answer of yes, I'm going to go with yes. yes. Okay. Uh, so I think that might be all of our, our questions. I think um, a couple of them were the same which is uh, good because it saves us time, which we're already running along anyway. Uh, but uh, let's see. Um, let's... Oh, here's one. Uh, Dom is great, but this team needs an attacking midfielder or winger, right? This is from Rude Boy Brewing. Uh, we always like our breweries. We, like, we definitely like the brewing. Uh, I we think... do like the brewing, and he is saying exactly what we've been saying for yeah. I don't know how many weeks. Yes, need an attacking midfielder. Uh, I don't know that it needs to be a winger. It, would, uh, it just depends. I think... Some games, Kaká is better in the middle. Some games, he's better out left. I think we could definitely use somebody who could play right. Um, yes. That would definitely be helpful because that would give you some more versatility. Uh, so, yes, I think we're not done yet. Um, is there any other questions? I think that might just about be it. If we didn't get to your question, uh, please hit us up again this week, and uh, we'll try to get to it next week when things aren't quite so crazy unless uh, Neymar signs next Tuesday. <laughs> Uh, then it'll be even otherwise crazier. it'll be the same dom time same yeah, dom yeah. channel so you can uh, you can always ask your questions to the mainland podcast uh hit us up on twitter we are at the mainland and uh, you can uh hit us up with hashtag ask tmlpc the mainland podcast tmlpc ask tmlpc uh that's your hashtag uh or you can hit us up on uh on uh, email and you can get us at the mainland at gmail.com. Remember not to put main M A I N. Remember it's M A N E and don't forget the, the mainland at gmail.com. Very important. So thanks for everybody uh, for getting your questions in. Uh, we appreciate that. We are just about done with episode 96 before we go, Dave, your key matchup and score prediction for Saturday against Atlanta United. David Rowe. Sorry. Hey. <laughs> Went silent there for a minute. You did. All right. Uh, I did. All right. So key matchup. Um, and I already said all this, but I'm going to say it again. Key matchup is going to be uh, – it's going to have to be the defense again because I think for this one, um, we're once again going to have to limit – uh, Atlanta scoring to have any chance. Um, I'm hoping that with the addition of Dom that maybe we get some more goals and or uh, Kaká stays on point. But um, the only way that we win the game is if we limit their chances. So that's, that's my key matchup. Um, last week I went with 3-2 win. I was being optimistic this time. Despite Dom coming in, I'm going to be pessimistic. I'm going to go with a Two-one loss in Atlanta. Uh, I think we do finally score, but I don't think it's enough. 
Yeah, I'm going to go 2-1 loss just like last week. I think last week I said 2-1 loss. And, um, you did. Since I was wrong, I'm doubling down on that scoreline. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, dang it, I'll keep trying it. All right, hey, most uh, of the time when we both predict the same thing, we're completely wrong. Yeah, I, I that would be good. But really, it's it's not a um, it's not something I want to see, but it's really going to be tough. Uh, I think anytime you're bringing in a new player, even if they don't start the game, uh, there is a, a little bit of a feeling out process, a little bit of a confusion, a little bit of um, uncertainty, a lack of chemistry. I also think that the size of this signing is a little bit of a distraction this week, maybe uh, that could affect things. And I also do think that, like um, Eric said earlier, even though that the you know Atlanta's only played a, a dozen or so home games uh, at Bobby Dodd, I do think they want to close their stadium out with a win. So I think they're going to be very amped up for that game. Uh, they may have Joseph Martinez back. Uh, so I think it's going to be very difficult because it's always difficult on the road anyway in this league. Uh, I would like to see uh, just I would just like to be completely wrong, go up there and just blow them off the field. Uh, but when's the last time Orlando City did that? And um, yeah, I, I'm expecting a, a tight game and maybe another heartbreaking goal late. Well, all I'm going to say is I was wrong last week and hopefully I'll be wrong this week again. You know, if you're going to pick against Orlando and be wrong, I'm good with that. Yeah, that's, I, that's kind of what I was figuring. So, I, I, you know, I last week didn't work out. Let's try it this way, see if it works out. <laughs> All right, we've taken enough of our listeners' time for one week. Uh, believe it or not, we are conscious of your of your, of your your needs to get on with your day. Uh, so, yes, we will, uh, we will sign off here. Uh, I definitely want to thank, again, Cody Bradley from thebluetestament.com and uh, also from starsandstripesfc.com. Uh, for being with us, giving us the Sporting Kansas City point of view on the Dom Dwyer deal. Uh, I definitely want to thank Eric Quintana from Mouths of the South podcast and DirtySouthSoccer.com for stopping by and uh, being our, our goat, our uh, you know our, our nemesis, and, uh, and also being a good sport and a funny dude. Uh, thanks, Eric, for being on the show. Uh, we will be back next week to discuss the Gold Cup Final, the Tournament of Nations, Orlando City at Atlanta United. OCB returning to action against Charleston uh, Battery. And that's on the road on Saturday as well. And uh, that's uh, is that everything, Dave? Did I cover everything? Well, barring any other signings, yeah, probably. Yeah, okay. The Neymar signing to Orlando City, we'll, we'll cover that as well. <laughs> and uh, the, reason I, <laughs> the reason I keep bringing up Neymar is we, I, we asked for a player this week uh, as our guest. Uh, and... Um, when I talked to uh, Rafa Cabrera, I said, I guess you were a little busy today, so probably didn't get that guest. And he said, yeah, uh, it's been crazy. We could do it next week unless we sign Neymar. Uh, so uh, that's why I keep bringing up Neymar. So anyway, uh, if we sign Neymar, we will probably have just as long of a podcast next week. So uh, for Dave Rowe, I thank you uh, for listening. Uh, please read our stuff at themainland.com. Uh, follow us on Twitter at The Mainland. Like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash the mainland and uh please give us a star rating on uh, itunes so we can move up and, and reach a wider audience uh on behalf of dave Rowe, i am michael citro the managing editor and founder of the mainland.com signing off the way i always do by saying go city <laughs>